When the value of the shares that you hold in a business is going down rather than up, it's natural to consider whether it's worthwhile continuing to invest. But although the figures in the stock chart will indicate a trend, they can't tell whether the underperformance is a result of a temporary issue or something more serious. If you want a more reliable forecast, you need to discover what's going on at the company. And there's no better way to do that than to attend their AGM and to ask some searching questions. That's exactly what Mark will be talking about today on episode 5 of The Desert Island Investor. Okay, good afternoon, Mark. You've been absent again. Uh, where to this time? Yeah, um, happy new tax year, Paul, first and foremost. Um, I've been off to a place in Suffolk called Haverhill, uh, and that is where I've attended the Titan Holdings AGM, Haverhill in Suffolk. So uh, this is a, a company that's involved in natural and mechanical ventilation, and it's the smallest business in which I'm invested in. It's got a market capitalization of just 8.3 million. So uh, uh, it's a smaller business, but it's one that I like to keep a close as opposed to a closed eye on. Okay. So what exactly do uh, Titan Holdings do? Well, like I said, uh, mechanical, uh, they start off doing natural ventilation, but um, they've been doing mechanical ventilation, I think for nearly 20 years now. And um, it's an increasingly important uh, attribute into the household because um, it's probably something that we just took for granted, natural ventilation. Paul, when we, we were children and we were, we were growing up and you had you know rattling sash windows and, and what have you and, and, and leaky houses. And um, they just, homes tended to ventilate themselves. So now you know, over prog- progressive decades, you know, the, the, the need to insulate is, is becoming greater. So it's, we're almost like, hermetically sealing these homes so that we don't so that the heat doesn't escape but it means that you know fresh air can't get in so we've got to get a, another means of helping uh, our homes to to breathe uh because otherwise it'd be like living on a submarine so um uh it's uh that's 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 basically the need for for ventilation so so that that market has has changed by um virtue of, of progress and development in in house construction and double glazing and triple glazing and, yeah, and, yeah. and such lights yeah all those you know and there's a lot of um you know health concerns that are associated with ventilation um you know we we hear now you know it seems to be an like increasing case of asthma and uh that, that are around and you know homes can be you know we we we, we tend to think that um, you know, we're shutting out things. There's, the, the air outside is more is more dangerous to us. Well, you know, very often uh, it's, it's it's the air in the house that's that's of um, that's of most cause to us because um, you know we produce you know humans and pets we're producing a lot of fluid, a lot of moisture, and if that can't escape, that that creates mold. I don't know if you've got any mold over in where you live, Paul. You know, but. Um, that's only that, my fridge, Mark. Yeah. I've got a bit of mold in the fridge. <laughs> okay, let's not go there. But you know, that's that creates spores, and you know, that's not good, good, good for for breathing. Then you've got things like, you know, cigarettes and e-cigs, and 
scented candles, sprays and aerosols, and then there's things called um, VOCs, volatile organic compounds. Oh, I've heard of that. Uh, things like formaldehyde come under that. I think a lot of that, it's in a lot of furniture. You know, when you get a new three-piece suite or something like that, and it's giving off a, a new smell and all these smells. So these things are all around us in the home, and then, you know, they need to escape, even to things like, you know, if you've been doing some painting and decorating, Paul. So mm. if you've got a house that's, uh, it, that's, that's airtight you know it's not very good and you know we've just come through um the pandemic haven't we everything keeps seems to come back to covid19 and one thing that we found out there is the importance of fresh air what did they tell us what would the government tell us you know open the window so um now you might think that's the easy way just to um ventilate your home but of course um i live in a semi-rural area um if you're opening your windows and you've got noisy neighbours or traffic go rattling past or stuff like that, it, 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 that's not always the answer. So, um, increasingly, you know, ventilation people are you know are becoming more more aware of the of the need for better ventilated homes. And, and of course, in businesses as well, as well, I suppose you can't often open a window in a in an office, can you? No, no. And, uh, you know, it's, we just find out, you know, how stuffy it gets in an office, Paul, you know, I mean, we used to work together and I'm during the middle of the afternoon, you saw me nodding off. That was probably down to the, uh, you know, the poor air circulation in the office. I I would often wake up and see that you were asleep as well. Yes. uh... (laughs) Yeah. That's our our, our excuse and we're sticking to it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, uh, can you, uh, give me a little history about the company? Yeah, well, it was formed back in 1972 by John Anderson, who's the who's the current president uh, of the company, and uh, he showed some foresight because in 1973 he painted a handmade trim vent, which is a natural uh, trickle vent, uh, still still the same kind of thing that they manufacture today. Uh, it was floated on the London Stock Exchange in 1988. Uh, then they moved into mechanical ventilation in 2005. Uh, they formed a U.S. subsidiary, which is a small part of the business in 1990. And in 2008, they entered into a joint venture in South Korea, which has been quite good for them. Uh, it's been a, you know, it's a reasonable size of, of the business. And then they transferred the listing to AIM in 2018. So that's a little, just a, a pocket history. Um, I'm sure if you go to a website, you'll find a lot more of events that have happened uh, but those are, you know, some of the main ones over the last uh, 50 years. And they're in there. They just had their 50th anniversary last year. How long have you been an investor? I've been an investor since uh, late 2017. And I have added several times since then. And I've done a lot of hard work, a lot of diligence. Um, I've done a lot of research. And uh, at the end of that, I'm my I'm underwater by nearly 40%. So, uh Oh. Uh, I, I, I'll come. I'll come clean on that one. Okay. So that being the case, what what was your initial investment case? Well, really, um, was it a value trap? You know, I was looking at the valuation of of the company, and it it had lots of cash, which I like, and lots of assets. But you know, again, so that would give me what I thought was a, a certain amount of of protection. But you know, I think it's the increasing awareness of, of ventilation. And, you know, what we've just spoken about, uh, uh, you know, that this is going to become a more important um, uh, requirement in, in, in UK housing construction. 
Um, I mean, it, even down to, you know, it's going back a few years again, but like Grenfell came along. That's a, that's another thing that uh, has affected, you know, how we, how we look about how we construct homes and, and, and tighten themselves, produce a metallic air brick, a fire brick. So, you know, you don't want, if, if it's made out of something like plastic, <laughs> that's not very good in the case of a fire. So that's that's been a, a good seller for them. And um, going back into, in, you know, they've been, tr the, there was some new legislation that's been coming along for quite a while. That's finally in place now. That took effect on the 15th of June of last year, 2022. Um, so that was at the back end of the last financial year. So uh, there's just a few weeks of that. But basically, new homes are going to have to be equipped with sufficient natural and mechanical ventilation. Plus, interestingly or importantly, um, replacement windows needed to be fit with natural ventilation, Paul. So um, I've had a, I've had words with several uh, double glazers and there's certain tricks going around where people, you know, they've been saying, people say, well, I don't really want the trickle vent, but well, you'll have to sign a disclaimer that you don't want one. So, uh, but I think that the, the, the pressure will be on certainly to um, any replacement windows will have to have trickle vents. And, you know, what, one thing about new builds, they will they go up and down, but there's a lot of existing windows out there, Paul, that are going to need, they're going to be maturing. What's the life expectancy? 20, 25 years. So there's a lot of windows out there every year that will be getting replaced. I, I would imagine that's going to be more consistent than the number of new builds. So that's the that's what lured me in, Paul. Now then, so well done with all that research, but net result is you're sitting on a loss at the moment so yeah how are you coping with that yeah fine paul you know it's um i think when you've got a broad portfolio these are things that you accept um obviously you'd like to uh, you'd like to every decision to be a winner uh, and it might be in the in the long term but you know i'm i'm comfortable with my position and um you know that at the start of any one year generally you're going to get some winners, some good ones. Some are going to tread water, and there's uh, you know one or two that might not do do too well. The, tr the problem is you don't know which ones they are, um, and you know very often you'll you'll find a lot of very successful uh, investors. Not necessarily putting myself in that c category. Um, have something like a fifty fifty or a, a sixty forty rule, or not sixty forty rule, but sorry sixty forty effect. Um, I've listened to. Uh, a very well-respected um, investor called Leon Boros. A lot of people have heard of him. And he said he's consistently at 60-40. He, he doesn't seem to be able to improve on that. So um, it's 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 part of, you know, part, I won't say the game. I don't like to call it a game, but it's, it's, it's part of what you sign up to when you're a private investor, that um, you know, from time to time, uh, things will turn poor for you or you may under, or underperform for, for certain periods. So the concept of this, episode it kind of revolves around the fact that if if there's a questions to be asked uh, about a company that you've invested in that isn't doing particularly well at, at any one particular time is to try and get along to an agm and and, and have a chat with them so you went uh, what went wrong well i think what's gone wrong you know just what just rewinding a little bit paul is that um you know this is a, a business. This is an industry that I think has got a very, very good tailwind, but it seems to have been beset with problems um, over that time. I'm just waiting for a bit of a clear run. 
So um, some recent events, a couple of years ago, um, the CEO who'd been with the company for, for 33 years, he agreed with the board to stand down. Um, and they appointed a, a new CEO, Matt Norris, who was a, a younger man, seemed to have lots of energy and he had a good CV. Uh, but following that, two of the, the non-executives left. Uh, I think um, I understand that that was that um, uh, they, they, were, they were acting in unison, really, which isn't great for, for non-execs. They, 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 they left together. I think that probably spooked Matt a little bit. Um, he was new to the company, or I think a new opportunity to came along. So, so, so he he left in in short measure. Then the uh, there was another director left, a uh, IT director again of thirty three years service. Um, he ag he agreed to stand down. And then what we had over that you know the last couple of years, you know two or three years, you know, we, they've had Brexit to contend with. Um, that's been a, a, a jolt. Covid that we've mentioned it affects everything labor shortages they're in a quite a rural area so they've not inundated with you know high populations around there component shortage that's been well documented those are important for the mechanical ventilation and then general raw material problems like you know packaging and, and or, 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 or just um uh resin and things like that you know just your, your basic raw materials energy prices inflation and then the korean market that's been very very successful for them which has been natural ventilation, um, they've been moving over to, to more to mechanical ventilation and they don't manufacture on the mechanical side out there. It's just natural. So it's just been a, um, a little bit of a catalogue of things that have been outside of the, of the companies. To be, to be fair to them, these are things that have been out of their control, you know, mm -hmm. other than let, let's, put, let's put the whatever that might have happened in the boardroom to one side. But, um, you know, they can only control the controllables. And where was this then? Was it at the company headquarters? Uh, well, uh, the headquarters, the offices are in Colchester. Um, and we'll perhaps get onto this a little bit later on. But the manufacturing facility is at Haverhill, which is, and that, they're 30 miles apart. Right, okay. And a lot of people there? Uh, all the board were there, on, 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 um, with that, with the exception of uh, John Anderson, who unfortunately was a, a little bit poorly that day, so it was good to see um, all our directors, uh, including several that I'd um, I was meeting for the first time, um, the new CEO Alexandra French, um, who joined from uh, Johnson Matthew, and the new execs Paul Hooper, who uh, had a good chat with Paul. He's the CEO CEO of Alimask, which I'll have to have a, a closer look at. And Jeff Ward, who's the CEO CEO of Guardian Fall, who are a height safety company. But uh, on the shareholder side, I think there were I think there were six of us there. So, six. Yeah, yeah. So, not surprising. And uh, questions. Uh, you are notorious for asking questions at uh, AGM's Mark, I believe. So, any anything uh, interesting? That you raised at this one? Well, I did ask about a, a dozen, you know, and intend, intended to get my money's worth because I was down there for a, a couple of days. So um, I asked about a dozen questions, um, which I've got to say were, were very well received um, and answered thoroughly across the team. Um, it wasn't just that you know one person was was answering them, and I don't think they tried to answer them as fully as they could. Um, and you know the. The first one that I brought up was, you know, I've just gone on about the um, the problems that the, the business has had in that um, are outside of its control. 
but they brought in a new ERP system. You know, all, all have to be three-letter acronyms, Paul, don't they? Um, Enterprise Resource Planning System. And uh, that this has caused, uh, if you read the report, it's caused, you know, significant problems putting in a new system. And, you know, you know, I, I asked the question, you know, well, this was something surely that we could have had control of, given that everything else, you know, that we've had to contend with, you know, we should have been over this like, like a rash. Uh, and they, ac they accepted that, yeah, it could have been perhaps handed, handled better, but uh, I'm sure you're familiar with this. I, and I tend to agree that when you do bring in a, a new computer system or a new system a, a, across the group, there is collateral damage, isn't there? There's some damage along this damage limitation. So, you know, I do accept that. I think it was worthy of comment, um, but I think they, the, you know, the answer I've got was, it was never a good time, but we've got to like pull the plaster off, throw the big switch and we've got to do it sooner or later. So let's, let's get it done. And the message that I got back was that, um, you know, the bad medicine's out of the way now. So, you know, they will, they will start feeling the benefits of it. And that will mean that the, they have a, the different departments and the way that the workflow, it's more tied up and they've got more visibility of everything that they've got, like inventory and what have you, and uh, where everything is in the business. So, yeah, you know, that was that. Um, I asked a question, well, a, a personnel question, really, which two questions in one, this one, was about... Uh, the opportunity, what's what's the prospects for greater automation in the business? And um, this is, I explained, this is me as um, not a uh, um, a shareholder looking to see for, you know, for staff being replaced, but they keep talking about the problems that they've got in, in recruitment. And I say that, you know, we, we need some kind of automation to replace the people we can't get. That was base, that was basically what it is. And they've got a new uh, operations director coming in, and he's looking at, at ways in which they can uh, mechanise or automise uh, the way they do things and, and help throughput. I think it's something that they are aware of, that they've got this ongoing problem. I mean, I I stayed in uh, Newmarket, uh, which is about 15 miles north of Haverhill, and, and I drove down and I said, look, I'm going through all these these lovely leafy villages, you know, where you might meet Miss Marple. There's not a lot of people there. That's the thing. It's not other like in the the northwest where we are, Paul. It's um, you know, where there's you know, and it's a low wage, you know, a, a low wage economy. So that's the problem they got. But on on the person, I, I said, look, are you doing anything? You know, just with blank looking at every employee that you've got in the business, and they've got like a couple of hundred employees with a blank sheet of paper. Have you gone through the exercise of seeing if everybody's reaching their full potential? And I mean everybody. Um, because I think I've lost count of the number of people that I've come across in my working life who've started in the warehouse and they've ended up as, as managing director. Uh, and we both know people that, that we work with Paul who've, um, gone on to, you know, better things. Um, uh, so, you know, th the answer to that was that, yeah, every, every employee is, is having a development plan to see, you know, what they're, the way, where they're doing. Um, they're very keen on apprenticeships, and they did trot out a couple of examples of, of people who've, who've advanced within the, in the business. So it's not just about looking for business. It's not just always looking outside of the of the company because you've got some talent within the business, haven't you? And very often that we we overlook we we overlook you know, people within our or, or organization. 
then, you know, we mentioned about the Colchester office. So I've I previously asked this question about, you know, I've said, look, it's not a it's not a big uh, business, but um, you've got a headquarters in in Colchester and then the manufacturing Haverhill, you know, does it not make sense? You know, there's a lot of duplicate additional costs there of running an office. And um, you know, the answer has always come back. You know, I've asked about this a couple of times that, and I do understand it, that um, if they said to every, everybody in Colchester, look, we're moving to Haverhill, then the fear is there'll be a mass exodus. Uh, because again, it's out in the sticks, it's 30 miles, it's, it's adding a lot of computer time on. A computer commuter time it's adding a lot of commuter time on so i ac i accept that i think the those offices are on a five-year lease i think it is something that they they do review um but when i read in the report it was saying again that um like a lot of other businesses they are allowing certain members of staff to work from home two days a week um and i think that is in because lots of other people are doing that now and that's what you've got to offer so i revisited this question and i i said look i think it's fair to ask this now you know if we've got an off office in colchester and people aren't there five days a week does that swing things back to you know moving it to haverhill and it was still felt that um even if people were you know not everybody's on the in the office three days a week um depending on what what, the, what duties they have, but you know, even at three days a week, it would still be prohibitive for people to move to Haverhill. But they would review it. So you know, as long as it's still there, it might. You know, it's probably the right answer to to give that. You know, we, we need to give this. But I thought it was something I would explore. Um, uh, Titan used to sell a range of products um, manufactured by a company called Subinco, and uh, they decided last year that they were. Um, they're going to go do, do their own thing, going to deal directly. So that was that was pulled. Um, so I asked the question, what what level of business did this represent? And Tyson uh, Anderson told me that there was about between ten and fifteen percent of hardware sales. And but they brought on a new range of products um, called Roto, and they're trying to build these sales up now. And uh, this is. To, to replace the Subinco sales, but this is, um, he, he estimated that's going to be about 50% of, of what Sub, Subinco had offered, but, you know, th there's further potential there. There was um, a reference into the report to restructuring the Korean side of the business. So I, I asked, well, what does that mean? Is it the fact that, you know, um, the, in Korea, they're moving more onto mechanical from natural ventilation, so they're having to buy in mechanical ventilation is, is, is this perhaps a euphemism for you know um parting with the side the side of the business and said no very much so uh, uh, no very much we still see this as a, as a as a future for the business um uh they're into ventilation uh, so so are we but i think it was simplifying the structure whereby the two aspects to it there's titan korea which is the manufacturing arm which has got uh, Titan UK are 51% ownership. And then there's a distribution arm as well called Brown Tech, which distributes the whatever's basically manufactured from Titan Korea. And they have a 49% ownership in that. So I think what they're looking at is to make it just one entity, uh, a little bit more simple. I asked about the components. Um, are we back to normal? No, but we're, we're heading in the right direction. I think, uh, 
we're gradually clawing our way back now to get, getting comfort. And this is the kind of feedback I've been getting from other businesses, which I'm involved in, that it's, it's getting easier to, to get hold of um, components. Uh, and then with um, on the cash situation, I looked at um, the number of creditor days and debtor days. Um, cash was, uh, I think it was 1.7 million pounds worth of cash on the books. But we were, I'm using the we, we were paying people quicker, which I think is an honourable thing to do. Uh, the previous year we've been paying people on 62 days and we're paying them on 52 days. But at the same time, debtor days had gone out from, from 50 to 58. So that was like an 18-day swing. So that, that will have an, have an effect on the on cash. And um, the answer that I got back was, um, and it's pleasant to hear that, you know, they're trying to get better deals by paying quickly, which uh, um, it makes sense, Paul, doesn't it? You know, it's very difficult to get a better price if you're holding back on, on paying people. And I've always been um, an admirer of, of companies that, that pay promptly or early. Um, but as well, on the debtor days, I think that had been exacerbated by stockouts and what have you. And my interpretation of this or my understanding was this is of sometimes people are um, prompted to pay you when they – because they they might go on the stop list, so if you can't supply them with product, it doesn't matter if they're if they're on the stop list or not. So uh, that um, that uh, I, I think that's something that you know now that they've got more you know product available that then you know hopefully that will help the, the the money get in. And then I asked a question. Um, I mean, when you look at this business, it's you know um, I mentioned about is the capitalized of a Capitalization currently, as we sit here today, Paul, of eight point three million, and it's got assets of of not um, of sixteen. So that's quite a discount. But they've got free old property, and I asked, that's on the books at one point seven million, and I asked when was that last valued. It was quite interesting that um, that was done at the year end, and that was valued at five point four million. So that's an extra 3.7 million. So that was an interesting fact that came out from the AGM, Paul, just asking that question. And then, um, I mean, I may have some other questions, but I, I, I parted with um, a couple of comments, really, a little bit of feedback. Um, one was on the RNS times, which by, I give us several examples whereby um, results have been due or certain announcements. And generally, these come out at, at 7 o'clock in the morning. Uh, and I think there'd been one that come out at 11 minutes past 7. And there've been other ones that they've been released, you know, throughout the day. And I just explained that that's a tendency to spook investors. Um, Can I interrupt you there? No, yeah. what, what's an RNS? Sorry, not an investor. An RNS is a regulatory news service. So um, that's, you know, any important issues pertaining to the company. It could be results, director dealing, um, major holders, resignations. That's announced as, a, as an RNS on the stock market. And they can come out during the day. But um, generally, if it's, if it's an announcement, that if it's, something that's scheduled generally they come out at seven o'clock you know and that's when people are waiting for them so if they're being trotted out during the that spooks people people think why are they holding back on this information and i just think that's that's a little bit of a red flag i just think that is something that's quite um simple to rectify um 
and um, it's just a little bit of I think better better housekeeping. Um, so yeah, that that was a little bit of feedback. Um, and, and lastly, um, it was I, I pointed out that, um, and I believe in speaking honestly and openly. Um, it was on the the director um, holdings and. Uh, the, the the directors and their families, I believe, own about forty percent of the business. But a lot of those are family fam from the original Anderson family. So you know, I pointed out to that you know Alexandra, who you know, been with the company, you know, admittedly, you know, un under a year, but you know, she like twelve thousand seven hundred thirty eight shares. Um, and then I, I turned to you know Car Carolyn, um, who's the the, the CFO. I said. You've been with the company since you know 2019. You haven't got any. And then I turned to, to Jeff Ward, one of the again the new new non-execs, and and he didn't have any either. You know, so I've I pointed out, look, you're all very clever people. Um, you've got a uh, probably cleverer than I am, and you've got a closer understanding of what's happening with this business. You know, I said, you know, I'll I'll take my leave from you guys. So um, and I think that was taken. You know, I you know I said I come as a friend. Um, and it was it was taken with good grace, you know. It's um, I think it was it was it was worthy to be said. Um, you know, I'm looking at, you know, if you don't think there's compelling value in this business, then then why should I? That's that's the question, Paul. And you know, and and I always say, Paul, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Um, and uh, you know, I stressed, and and they know they know where I was coming from. That um, you know, this is something that you know, private investors look at you know like i said on the wider board there there is a um there is a significant holding but if you look at the the ceo and cfo you know that, that those are in the highest executive office aren't they um and you know you can speak um you, you can you can you can raise concerns without it being antagonistic i mean we worked we worked together paul for nearly 10 years and uh, you know for the, for, for the most part we we were uh, very very well but you know you were in marketing and i were in i was in sales um but you know occasionally we'd, we'd have differences of opinion but we never let it get personal did we fish face absolutely not baldy <laughs> yeah so um yeah and then there was some you know so i i I'd, i think i probably stolen the thunder of the other shareholders where they were a little bit you know i'd done a lot of the heavy lifting but um david barry was there it was a, a, a um a shareholder of naughty was over three percent and uh he's a, a well-known investor um uh clever chap um and i'd met him previously up at the zytronic agm so we we met up again and had a, a little bit of a conversation uh but he asked questions about um whether they were committed to the listing uh well it, it, the way he asked it was you know for a small company um is it expensive listing is it is it prohibitive and they said no relative you know it, it doesn't cost that much on aim um so that led him into saying well you know are you committed to the listing and and, and very much you know they said that they were you know i mean the, the answer that came keith came back well obviously you know we're looking to grow the business. That's that's what that's what we're looking to do. I mean, he he did mention to David again in front of the the non execs. Well, presume if he went private, you you wouldn't need the non execs, would you? <laughs> so uh, that that created a little bit of a giggle. Uh, but again, he makes it he made a, you know, a valid point, and he wants to see the response from um, 
the board as to you know the feedback that they've got on the um you know on, on their on their listing online and then i met an, another uh, investor called david raywood who uh, come from tewkesbury um and he asked the question about uh, the solar panels you know the solar panels and uh, that they've got because it's quite a, a large facility that they've got there and um you know how effective they were and what have you and uh yeah met david um he'd come by a private uh he'd become by the um public transport and uh i gave him a lift back to the station so i've I met a new friend there, Paul. A new, a new, another, another new investor. So, did you do you actually get a tour? Yes, yeah. As... It was it was a very good tour. Um, again, um, we were t- taken around by uh, Alexander, which was a nice touch. The uh, the CEO and Paul Tarling, who's the relatively new director of operations. So, you know, you know, he's feeling his way as well. Um, but it was it was good to see. I think from from memory, you know, your, mem- your tri- memory plays tricks on you, but you know, quite a bit more product seemed to be like going out, particularly on the mechanical side. So, and that's you know, th- th- there's more money involved on those big uh, mechanical boxes than you know on the smaller uh, trickle vents. So that yeah, that was that that was that was good to see. Now, uh, I believe there's been a couple of post a. GM yeah well. well there there we go yeah you know so you, you go to the annual general meeting um you try and find out what the what's the state of play and how, how best can I understand what's going on I've come away I've met the new CEO um uh she seems to be quite dynamic um you know she's in her mid-40s seems to have you know plenty in the tank but then there's an announcement that she's agreed with the board to stand down so you know this is like you think well you know, I've, I've just two weeks prior, and I've, I've I've spent two nights in the area. Um, I've 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 gone down there. I've met the new CEO. Uh, everybody seems to be, you know, on message. Um, I've uh, I've asked comprehensive questions. I've I feel like I've got an idea about where the business is, and then something like this happens. So, thinking, well, what what's 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 happened here? You know, and, and we've got to remember that this is, you know, this is the third CEO in two years so um you know this is a a listed company it's not a premiership football team so um you know you know you're thinking you know what's going on so i made contact with um keith ritchie who's the uh the chairman and said look i wonder if you can help me um i explained that obviously i've come down and again just repeating i thought i'd gone away understanding what the state of play is can we have a can we have a telephone conversation? So, you know, to be fair to Keith, uh, he, he agreed. And in my relationship with Keith is, I like to think, very strong. Um, when when the results are announced, um, we always have a, a conversation. Uh, he, he and I, we have a, a Zoom call, just the two of us. I have a little bit of a chat. That's at the half year and the full year. And um, uh, he, he's been, you know, very, very helpful. We, we with, you know, how, are the, how are the businesses going? But you know he did um, he did uh, telephone me from from on, he was on holiday but he did nevertheless ring me and he, we had a bit of a chat and uh, he had to pick his words carefully um, and um, but my interpretation is you know it wasn't about like the the, the goals um, you know what the, the direction of the company anything like that or uh, the direction I think everybody was wants to go in the right direction the same direction. But it was a case of um, management style, as much as anything, and it, it just wasn't. It was felt that um, that that wasn't going, that wasn't going to work. So um, 
so they're going to be looking again. Now, don't get me wrong. I, you know, I think Alexander is a very, very talented, from what I've seen, got a great CV. Um, and I'm pretty sure, you know, remember the name because I'm pretty sure she'll she'll crop up somewhere else in, in a top role. But she's come from Johnson Matthey. She's been there for 25 years, um, or just short of 25 years. Uh, Johnson Matthey is a, is a company valued at 3.6 billion, right? Titan is eight, you know, so there might be a bit of a culture change there, Paul, that it's mm. difficult, you know, you know, but businesses are, you know, the, the basics of businesses are, are the same, but it, it, it is a, a, a much, um, and this is just my interpreter. This isn't what Keith said, you know, it's just my understanding, you know, it, perhaps it's, it's difficult, it, difficult to adapt. And sometimes Paul, you know, people just, they aren't the right fit. That's, that's what it is. You know, just, a, you know, some people just aren't the right fit for for a certain business. So, um, uh, and I suppose you know, from Titan's point of view, it was a brave, you know, a brave move. In that, you know, like I said, they've had, they've had you know three three CEOs in, in short measure. You know, I they wouldn't have done this, I don't think, lightly unless they thought that it had to be done. Um, because um, I, I'm sure they would have been desperate for, for this to work. But, uh, I mean, it just goes to show, Paul, isn't it? You know, the interviewing process, um, you're trying to find out if people are the right fit and you do, you know, several interviews and various testing and what have you. But it's only over a long period of time that you can really find out, can't you? You know, I mean, you, you can be married to somebody for 10 years <laughs> to find out what they're really like. Well, I mean, um, people, are tra- people are trained, aren't they? Students are trained to, to interview well. Um, yeah. But and it doesn't necessarily mean that they are going to be what they appear to be in the interview. I and mean, that often works out to be the yeah. case, I'm sure. Well, well, it's a bit of a scorpion dance, isn't it? You know, you've got to, you know, we all know there's like, you know, uh, you've got to smile when you go in and say things like, uh, um, yeah, I'm ambitious and things like that. And I like a challenge and I'm a, I'm a team player, but I can still, you know, I like working on my own and it's all the usual kind of stuff. It's all about you know? body language and uh, oh, where do you yeah. see yourself in the next five years and yeah. all this kind of stuff. Yeah, but. yeah. <laughs> I didn't used to do quite well on that one. <laughs> well, yeah, I retired, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you know, so, um, so that was, that was a, uh, um, you know, but you know, f- full credit to Keith. You know, he, 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 uh, we 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 had a chat, and um, you know, it's uh, hopefully they can get this resolved. So I don't know who's going to come in next. You know, and it's important that they get it right. You know, I don't know who it's going to be. Is it is, the hot money's on either Sam Allardyce or Roy Hodgson, Paul? That's <laughs> it. But uh, no, they. I think they they do know that they've got to. You know, I'm saying the obvious thing. They, they've got to get this right. You know. Now on the, on the heels of this, on the heels of this, um, there's been a, a, a change in um, the share, some of the shareholding in that Rockwood Strategic, who are an investment trust, um, have now got over twenty percent holding in the company. Now, um, I'd long thought that, that that Titan might be now Rockwood Strategic are part of the Harwood Capital Stable. And, um, and I thought that, you know, Harwood, this might be a business that Harwood might be interested in. And I've been proved right. And um, they took a, a stake, I think an 8.74% stake in June 2022. So that's quite recent. Um, I think they took over the, the holding that was previously held by MI Sterling Select Companies Fund. And then um, uh, there's, they've, they've taken on the... the, the um, the 11.27% 11. 
that was held by Jupiter Fund Management. So they're now over 20%. And uh, I'm not sure it's the first time that um, John Anderson is no longer the, the, the leading shareholder in the business. Um, so, yeah, they've got, you know, over 20%. And it's headed by Richard Staveley. Uh, this uh, investment trust is invest, uh, headed by Richard Staveley and Nicholas Mills. So you can have a look at uh, Rockwood Strategic as well. It's got a, a ticker symbol RKW. And um, quite interestingly, they've got a very concentrated fund. They've just got 18 holdings. And the thing that strikes me is that they've got a very, very hands-on approach. Um, they um, on, their, on their website, they say that uh, Rockwood Strategic PLC is an investment trust quoted on the London Stock Exchange that invests in a focused portfolio of smaller UK public companies. The strategy identifies undervalued shares where the potential exists to improve returns and where the company is benefiting or will benefit from operational, strategic or management changes. These in unlock, create or realise shareholder value for investors. So that's that. Now, um, what you also find if you look on the Rockwood Strategic uh, website is that um, Richard Staveley is a non-executive of three of, his, three of their holdings as well, Bonhill, Centaur Media and Pressure Technologies. And uh, another couple of items that they put on, um, uh, another couple of uh, articles that they've got or pieces, it says for larger core holdings, the company will seek to acquire influential block stakes targeting between 5 and 25%. Well, now Titan fall into that category. And they say of how they unlock value. They say for core investments, we ourselves may be the catalyst through the provision of capital, insight, and personnel. So having read that, Paul, uh, I don't think they'll be frightened to um, pick up the phone and have a very much a hands-on approach. And I would, my thoughts would be, I have no inside knowledge, but um, they, they, they'd have some kind of uh, viewpoint on any new directors that are joining the business. So um, hopefully, hopefully it's it's a it's a good team to have on board. Okay, so <clears throat> in total, then for Titan, excellent products, opportunities are favourable. Uh, figures aren't great at the moment, but based on the information you obtained by attending the AGM, and you sticking with them for now. Yeah, I mean, they made a, um, a loss last year of um, £953,000 before tax. Um, they expected to make a loss in the first half, return to profitability in, in the second. I think given, again, the tailwind of what's happening with, with ventilation um, and the fact that there's the, hopefully the protection of the discount to the net asset value, and you can be in a discount for a long period of time. But that gives me a little bit of comfort. Plus, you know, Rockwood see some value there. So, you know, I'll, I'll, I'm in for the course. And, you know, it's just, obviously I want it to do well, Paul, because I'm an investor and I've got money involved, skin in the game. But um, I think it's in a worthy cause, Paul. You know, I do think mm. something like, you know, it's, it's, you know, I'm not investing in British American tobacco or something like that. You know, it, 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 it's, it, it's improving the health of of, of homeowners. Uh, so uh, I, I think it's a, a worthy cause, and I really would like it to do well. For you know, uh, for that alone. So based on 
the initial concept again of this episode, which is um, there's well, there's more to it than just a graph, isn't it? For the end of the day, yeah, there, investors. yeah, there, there is the story. You know, um, if you're just looking at d- data, um, then that doesn't tell you everything, Paul. Does it? You know, it's it, it's all historical. You can learn a lot more through through going to the AGM, but even that is not perfect. You know, you go to you you you, you go you, you're trying to read body language as best we can. You're trying to pick up signals. There was nothing forthcoming, and and you and you know you and I, Paul. You know, we know that we all know that dream couple, don't we? That go to the dinner party. You know, Brendan and Sylvia, and everybody thinks they're great. You know, they're hanging on every word. He's very attentive and whatever. She looks fantastic, and then you find out that they're getting divorced. You know, it's that's you. So no matter how how much you try and pick up on things, you don't really know what happens. You know, behind the scenes. So no, true, um, true. But you know, again, if you cannot, if you can make the time to go, if it's cost effective to go. Yeah, I think, it, and, it, and 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 you and you create relationships. You know, I've had a, a, an exchange of emails with um, four of the directors uh, mm. subsequent to the AGM. You know, just exchanging pleasantries or or what have you. You know, so hopefully you 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 you're developing a relationship with those people. Okay, so Titan Holdings. Um, hopefully, uh, a change in the weather coming their way soon. Uh, is there a website that uh, people can go and look at? Yeah, always look at the website, Paul. All the W's dot Titan dot com. And their ticker symbol is? T-O-N. Right. It's time for our regular question in a bottle spot. Let's see what's in the bottle today. And this is a question from Declan. And Declan asks, Mark, what is the P-E ratio? Right, Declan. Well, thank you for the question. And thank you for your uh, kind words in our over our previous podcast. Uh, appreciate your support. So just in case we've got some experienced investors out there who are groaning that we're covering something like the, the P-E ratio. When Paul and I first started doing the podcast, we explained that we were looking to cater for both experienced investors and people who were new to investing or novices, a bit like Paul himself. So when we talk about the pH ratio, um, basically what it is, is the share price of the share divided by the annual earnings per share over the course of the previous year, if we're looking at historic PE. So just to give you some round numbers, uh, if a share was trading at £2.40 and the earnings per share were 20 pence, that will put it on a P of 12. So what this is telling us is, is how long it would take us to earn your initial investment back. So in the case of that business, it would be 12 years. So it's an important metric, but not one that should be taken in isolation. Um, what it does do, it enables you to compare it against other businesses and other industries. So you can compare apples with apples, or apples with oranges. So supposing we're looking at a supermarket group, say Tesco, something like that, we could look at its PE, and we could compare that with um, so Sainsbury's. Um, we, but we could also compare that against other industries for, where, we, where we think we can see value. It might be a software business, it might be an oil company. So when we talk about PE, I'm going to be talking here really about historic PE, but there's also forward PE. 
So if it's something that you're going to be depending on relying on as a as a as a metric, I would suggest that you know which one that you're looking at. If you've not calculated it out yourself, if you're just relying on some information that's given you, you know, what 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 are they basing the, the, their PE ratio on? So company's got different PE. So if you've got a company with a PE of say 10, is that better than a, a company that's got a, a PE of 15 or 20 or 30? Well, the answer is it depends. And it depends on the, the future prospects of the business. Uh, not just a case of next year, but you know, perhaps a, a number of years into the future. Uh, if we look at forward PA, you know, that's just looking again just at a, at a, a single year or or the or the peg ratio, um, which perhaps go into a, on another, another podcast. I mean, we could we could spend forever talking about PEs and pegs and valuations, but it's um, it, you you got to understand that behind. All the data, all the other numbers. There's a, there's a living, breathing business that's behind these. Um, if you've got a loss-making business, that hasn't got a PE, so it, it, that, that's where the calculation falls apart. But the fortunes of that of that business could be very, very favorable, favorable, even though it's making a loss at the um, current moment in time. So, what you've got to understand is that you know some businesses are growing, sometimes very aggressively. And they deserve a premium. Others, in comparison, they're stagnating, and some others are going backwards. And you know, I tend to think that you know, most businesses are are cyclical in some way, but some are more cyclical than others. Are heavily cyclical. Look at something like house builders. So you know, you've got to be factoring in the information behind the raw data about what's happening with that business. So if you've got a software company and that's say it's got a P of 30 and you compare that with, with a gold miner at eight you might think which is the better value there well you might think immediately it's the gold miner but you've got to look behind the business if, if the life of mine is six years and, it, and it's P of eight you're not gonna well you're gonna struggle to get your money back anyway so that's just a very kind of um, basic example because obviously the the resources being depleted over that period of time. So it's a strange ratio uh, in many ways in that there's, there's two ingredients and one of which is the value, the, the price, that's the P in the PE, that's that's the share price and that's moving every day or you know th throughout the day. It could be, it could be a, every second if it's a highly liquid stock. So that's moving around all over the place. And the E, the earnings, is the annual earnings per share, which is that, that's a, that's a static number uh, for that um, for that year's earnings. So we're, we're comparing with a, a constantly moving figure, and divided by one that's, that gets updated, you know, quite quite rarely. So we're actually looking in the rear view mirror and uh, at, at the earnings, and as we're driving along, this is constantly it seems to be going like further into the distance, and it's not telling us you know where the business is now. So if we look at the annual report, from the very moment it's published, it's out of date. It's a historical document, and it's giving the, the earnings per share. And the problem is that there's no profile to that. All the earnings are lumped together, and there's no, no trajectory. And you would, 
you might think that the, the earnings are, are in a straight line, but they, be, they can be quite lumpy. Uh, the probably the best we've got to, is to is, is to compare half one with half two and half two with half one. So, for the sake of argument, if we look at a, a business and say that it, um, its financial year end is the 31st of December, uh, it can be several months before the annual report comes out. So, and businesses have got up to um, six months to report. So, by the time the report comes out, say, on the 30th of June, we're looking at backwards at a business that reported to on the 31st of December. And that includes data that was from the 1st of January. So this is nearly 18 months out of date. But if we look at the figures and uh, we might look at the earnings per share and think they look fine, but because they're grouped together, it, it can disguise some information. We, we don't really know the, the profile of the earnings. So things might have been going along quite well and then we get to we get to um, November and then there's a, a little bit of a wobble in the business. We get into the new year and things are getting progressively worse and then that, that, that develops into a tailspin. By the, by the time we get to June, where we're getting the, the previous year's annual report, the reflection of the business, what the state of the actual business is in could be totally different. So you've got to be looking at, as best you can, reading in what's to ha happening to the business. So um, it's important that we look at that, you know, it's a, it's a numbers game, but we can't rely too heavily on the numbers. You know, there's always a story behind the business and there's management and there's people. Um, and you can look at all kinds of metrics that you, you, you could put in and uh, people have filtering systems. And I think that can only just improve your chances. There's no, I'm, I don't know anybody who's found a system that's uh, that's that's totally foolproof and um if it was just a case of putting data into a computer then um i think everybody would be doing it i mean there's certain things like the piotrowski score um, and that text that text nine criteria but again all these can do is is improve your chances so i would say look at the data and and, and interpret it and you've got to understand that behind every number uh, every every statistic, every ticker, there's a living, breathing, organic business behind it. Well, that's all for this episode. We hope that you enjoyed it. Please remember the content is for information only and it is not financial advice. If you would like to pop a question into a bottle for Mark, just post your question in the comments and hopefully it'll reach the island in time for the next episode. Thanks again for listening. See you next time.